Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. Welcome to all of you today. I am grateful that you are with us today in worship. Uh, my name is Austin, and I'm the campus pastor at our St. Croix campus. And so, uh, honestly, I truly hope you're doing well today. Um, whether you're joining us at one of our campuses, you're joining us at a network church, um, or you're watching us online, just hope, truly, really hope that you guys are doing incredibly well today. I'm excited today. We're going to be starting a brand new message series uh, called This Letter is for You. And so um, it's just been an awesome opportunity to be able to just pe- be able to prepare this message and just try and figure out kind of what has God um, got for us in these next four weeks. And so um, I don't know about you, but I love getting mail. Does anybody like getting mail? I know. See, if you have your hand down right now, it's because you've checked your mail regularly and it's all bills and advertisements, right? It usually looks a little something like this. It's usually wrapped in an advertisement to something that you don't want. This week's was uh, the farm collector. We don't need that. That doesn't matter at all. Uh, but there's these moments in the, uh, in the whole like ocean of days where you go to the, the, the mailbox and it's bills and bills and advertisements to stores that you don't shop at because it's 2019 and you buy everything online anyway. And so like there's, but they keep sending the advertisements and, and for whatever reason, like the magazines that you want, they get lost but uh, the bills, they never get lost. The bills always show up every single time. And there's, there's this moment in the whole string of these days where you have bills and advertisements and junk mail where you find yourself going, going through the mail a little bit something like this. And if you're anything like me, you get to the place and you see that you found a letter and it's handwritten to you. It's got your name and your address on it. And something happens inside of all of us where the whole world stops spinning, Right? And all of a sudden, like, nothing else matters. Like, there could be a check in the next envelope for a million dollars, but it doesn't matter. We got to look at this letter right here, right now. And you wish your finger was all of a sudden a little bit skinnier to get inside of the envelope cover, and you're, like, shredding it, and you're trying to get in there because you can't wait to see what the person wrote to you because there's something special about receiving a handwritten letter, isn't there? And that's really the premise of the entire message series that we have today, is that we are going to be walking through a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a group of Christians called the Colossians. And it's a personal letter that he wrote to them, and he wanted them to to read. And I imagine when they received this letter, how excited they were to receive it from him. So that's what we're talking about today, is we're going to be able to walk through what the Colossians found from the letter that Paul wrote to them. And so uh, you can grab your Bible if you brought it from home. Uh, We're going to get to it here in a little bit. But if uh, you don't know where the book of Colossians is, you can take your Bible just like this. And if you cut it in half, and if you cut the second half in half again, the Colossians is about three quarters of the way through your Bible. So that's where you can find it. I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible at home, to bring it these next four weeks. We're going to be looking at some practical ways to be able to consume uh, the content and be able to look at the verses inside of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible... If you just don't have one at home at all, we'd love for you to stop at the info center um, after the service, and we would love to give you one for free. But today, we're just going to look at section one, chapter one of this letter uh, from Paul. And while you're turning there, I want you to know that these three things that we're going to focus on uh, throughout this series is we're going we're to just look at underline something, question marks where, where you have questions, and then star the main application and takeaway. So those are going to be the three things that we're going to look at as we walk through the, this message series these next four weeks. And, and something that I, the reason we're doing that is because, I mean, oftentimes I hear people say, you know, I've got a, I've got a Bible. I got a Bible when I went, through, I went through confirmation, and I got a Bible, and so I had it, but I don't really know how to read it. 
And sometimes I read it, and I don't really know what it's telling me. I don't really know what it means. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be thinking after I read it. And so I just want to tell you that there are so many times, I've been following Jesus and reading the Bible for quite a few years, and there are many times where I come to places and I don't understand what it's saying. So you're in good company. You're in good company here, but we're going to try and use this idea where you underline what grabs your attention, star um, the main takeaway, and put question marks next to the things that you have questions about. And so a little backstory before we get uh, to the, the section that we're going to talk about. Paul wrote this letter while he was on house arrest. So he was awaiting trial. He was put on trial for his faith. They, they believe that the letter was written between 60 and 62 AD. And so that is just 60 to 62 years after Jesus was born. And so he, he died when he was 33. So it's been about 30 years uh, since Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, you might be thinking like, oh gosh, it's a history lesson at church. This is the worst and, uh, but I'm telling you, it's important to know that because this gives credibility to the letter. It gives credibility because there are still people walking around, many people that are still walking around who had met Jesus and who had been around when Jesus rose from the dead. And so Paul is writing a letter to a group of people who had firsthand experience and understanding of who Jesus was. This kind of makes me think a few weeks ago, uh, my kids came to me, they, they both have iPads, and so they came to me and they, they said to me, Dad can you give us more screen time? I know I'm the only parent whose kids have ever come to them and asked for more screen time. They said, Dad, can you give us more screen time? And I'm like, nope. Like, just go outside and play outside. Use your imagination. And they're like, Dad, it's so boring outside. And we live in the country, and so there's plenty of stuff to do. I don't know what they're thinking about. And so they're like, Dad, can we just have some more internet. Can we have some? And I'm like, no. And they kind of, they riled me up a little bit. So they got me stirred up. And so I felt like I had to get a little bit on a soapbox kind of a thing. And I said, I said, there's plenty to do outside. Go outside and use your imagination. And they continued on with, oh, it's so boring. It's terrible. It's whatever. And I said, I know it's not boring out there because when I was a kid, all I had was outside. All there was was outside. We didn't have the internet. And so I, I went on a little bit and then I wrapped it up with this phrase, and I don't know where it came from. It just came screaming out of me. I looked at him and I said, I was there when the internet was invented. <laughs> I was alive when the internet came to be. And they were like, what? They looked at me like they'd seen a ghost. Like, what? There was a world before the internet? I know, it's crazy, mind-blowing. Some of you in the room tonight are saying that. Like, what the heck is going on with that? But they looked at me, but they believed me. They're like, wow, they want some more information about it, but I just told them to get outside. Well, they didn't, but it's okay, whatever. No, but it's, it's interesting because they believed me because it was a first-hand account. I didn't tell them that my grandpa's 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 grandpa was there when the internet was invented. I was there. And that brought credibility to my story. The same is true of this letter. The same is true with Paul. He is writing a firsthand account of this letter. He's writing to this, this group called the Colossians. He's writing them as a warning to say there are people out there in the world that are trying to come in and they're trying to add things to Jesus. They're trying to add things onto your faith. There was a group of people that were walking around saying, you have to be a little bit smarter than the average person. You have to have even supernatural knowledge to understand the fullness of God. There was a belief that there was this sort of mysticism around knowing Jesus and being able to be in a relationship with him. And so Paul is writing as a warning to them to say you don't need to add things to God's grace. In fact, you can't add things to God's grace. I don't know if you know much about grace, but grace is an undeserved gift. And therefore, if it's undeserved, as soon as you start to earn it, it no longer is grace, right? Grace is completely undeserved because as soon as you start to earn grace, 
you ruin it. You ruin everything about grace as soon as you start to earn it. Grace, by definition, is an undeserved gift. And so Paul is intending to make it incredibly clear the natural identity of Jesus in the section we're going to look at today. He's hoping to eliminate people's desire and need to have more things, to do more, and acquire more to earn his grace. The good thing about this is it doesn't sound familiar at all to us, right? We don't live in a society that does this at all to us. It's a long-lost tradition where people believe that they have to do this, except for everywhere. Except for everywhere we look, every ad we read, every place we see, every celebrity, politician, the highlight reels of our friends and family members, social medias, continually are telling us, you have to have God's grace and Jesus plus this. Plus this, you have to have all these extra things because what really matters in this world is actually getting this next promotion and the house you live in and the car that you drive and the school that your kids go to and the GPA that you got in college and the job that you acquire and the school you got your kids into and the neighborhood you live in. And like all these things are really, really important on top of who Jesus is. You see, we're surrounded by a culture that says Jesus Christ is not enough. Jesus simply isn't enough. It has to be God's grace, Jesus' grace, plus all of this other stuff. Grace just isn't enough. And we can relate to this, can't we? I mean, again, this letter is for you. This letter is for me. See, it was written to the Colossians, but it was written for you and I, I believe, today, which is cool. And I think the problem with it is that we struggle to understand this concept of grace a little bit. We have a little bit of an issue with things not being deserved. Our, our culture tells us that we can acquire anything that we want if we just work a little bit harder. We struggle to understand that grace cannot be earned. And so that's really, that's the premise, that's the beginning, that's kind of the backstory of what I want to look at today. We're going to look at verse 15. This section is called, Christ is Supreme. And so that's really my hope for us to be able to understand that concept today. And so um, I'm going to try, I'll tell you where I put question marks um, and put stars. And I encourage you on your way out, there's going to be a card with this passage written on it. I'd encourage you to grab one, read it throughout the week, go through this process, question mark, stars, and underline um, wherever you see fit. So let's pick it up in verse 15. This is about Christ being supreme. So when it says he, it's talking about Jesus. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things, it pretty much covers it all. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. This is the part that I underlined. I thought that this was a really, really important portion. Start continuing with verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things, in Jesus all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the for, firstborn from among the dead. Firstborn among the dead. That's where I put a question mark. I put a question mark in the margin there. Seems a little bit odd. Firstborn among the dead. What does that even mean? Firstborn among the dead so that in everything Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus. Like, I don't know if you picked up on that, but like, that's a lot. Like, Jesus did a lot of stuff. He created all things. All things were created in him, both visible and invisible, both on earth and in heaven. And then all things, like our bodies and the world and the universe, all holds together because of Jesus. And so that's the God that we worship today, which is awesome. The fact that we exist is because of Jesus. Therefore, he is the purpose of our lives. 
Jesus is supreme in every way, and he is enough for every day. That's kind of a concise way of saying it. Jesus is supreme in every way, and he's enough for us every single day. Now, when I say Jesus is supreme, I think some of us kind of think like Jesus is like a little bit better. Like it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to kind of keep this other side gig going called like acquiring all the things of the earth, and I'm going to have Jesus kind of over here on the side because he's, he's better, yeah, but he's not like the best. And what I'm saying is, is he's the best. He's everything. He's got it all, okay? He created all things, is in all things, all that kind of stuff. Not hard for us to understand something better than another thing. We like something better than, we like a football team better than another football team. We like this brand of clothes better than this brand of clothes. We like this kind of car better than this kind of car. Like we like all of these things, but really when it comes down to like the word supreme, like superior, whatever it comes like when the competition happens, when it comes to one thing being so much better than the other thing, the greatest example I can think of is Coke better than Pepsi. All right? Come on. Who believes that Coke is so much better than Pepsi? You can put your hands up. Put your hands up. Everybody look around. See all the brilliant people, people in the room. If you see, have somebody next to you, give them a high five. Tell them Coke is the best. It's absolutely amazing. Coke is so far superior to Pepsi, it's not even funny. I know there's some haters out there, but they just haven't gotten there yet, but it's okay. There's these moments when I go to a restaurant and the server comes to the table and says, hey, uh, can I take your drink order? And I say, yeah, I'll have a Coke. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, we don't have Coke. And then what do they say? How about a Pepsi? And I'm like, a Pepsi? How about no? Like, why would you suggest a totally different soda? You may as well have just suggested a cup of milk. Like, they're equal. Like, the only thing that Coke and Pepsi have in common is color. That's it. Nothing else. You cannot add enough stuff to Pepsi to make it as good as Coke. You cannot take enough stuff away from Pepsi to make it as good as Coke. I like Coke. Can you feel that right now? Man, I'm a little fired up about it, but Coke does not equal Pepsi. Is just the bottom line here. That's all we need to know. So I just want you to know, next time you order a Coke and they offer you a Pepsi, I want you to remember Jesus is everything. Remember that. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> be awesome. See how that works? That's pretty awesome. Coke does not equal Pepsi, and Paul is doing the exact same thing. What he is saying, he's saying to these people that are trying to att- attempt to add things to Jesus, is there is no substitute for Jesus. If you're taking notes today, that is a point to remember. There is no substitute for Jesus. There is no laundry list of things that you and I have to do, that we have to add to our lives, that we have to acquire to have a relationship with Jesus. We don't need to add anything to Jesus because, in case you missed it, He already created everything, and he is everything, and all things hold together because of him. I read a book when I was in college, and uh, it changed my perspective on the way I viewed this kind of concept of undeserved grace. And if you're looking for a little bit more information on this passage, you can pick up this book. It's by this title, Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I mean, for us to understand that, it's, it's pretty easy to see that, that it works, but when in the equation world, if you take nothing out, the equation still works. And so I want to say, this also equals Jesus equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything just means Jesus equals everything. And now you might be sitting there thinking like, well, of course the pastor's going to say Jesus is everything. It's like basically his job to do that. Like, that's the churchiest thing I've ever heard. Okay, we're in church, and Jesus equals everything, yes. But I would say back to you, it might sound churchy, and it might feel a little cliche, but that means, it doesn't mean it's any the less true, or freeing, or mind-blowing, or life-changing. Church, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Let that sink in for a little bit. Jesus is enough. Jesus is supreme. He is sufficient for everything. Jesus is supreme in every way, and he's enough for us every single day. And Paul is simply saying that Jesus already is everything. And if we have his grace, he has offered it to us through his death on the cross. If that's the case, we can be encouraged to see Jesus as the center of our entire reality. Now, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's kind, of, it's kind of short and easy to remember. I think it's easy for us to understand, and yet it's so much more difficult for us to live. It's so much more difficult for us to live that, that Jesus is everything at work tomorrow, and when we're parenting our kids, and we're driving carpool, and when we're at soccer games, and when we're, when we're looking at our 401k and setting goals for our lives. My wife and I, we've been married for about 13 years, coming up on 13 years in August, and um, I know her. I know my wife very, very well. We dated for quite a few years before we got married. I know her love languages. I know her insecurities. I know her goals. I know her dreams. I know the things that she likes, the things that she doesn't like. I know how to love her, and I know how to serve her. And yet, simply knowing these things is useless if it doesn't translate into changing the way that I love and serve her. It'd be ridiculous for me to just know this and think that that was enough for me to be able to love and serve her. I actually have to change the way that I live to do that. It's difficult to, learn, to, to live these things out. And we live in a culture that says, work harder and you can get it. Acquire more and you can have it. Just push a little bit more and get a little bit more and then you'll be enough. And yet when we're talking about grace, it's simply an undeserved gift and we're talking about an undeserved gift I'm terrible at receiving undeserved gifts. I don't like it. Like, it goes so deep. I don't even like receiving undeserved compliments. They're a struggle for me to understand and to accept. Most of us are this way. We're not great at receiving undeserved gifts. We live in a culture that says you kind of got to earn things. You have to do something to get something. You have to do more to get more. But that's just not the case when it comes to Jesus. When it comes to God's grace, it's not do more to get more. It's you've already done enough. And he did everything to make it possible for you to have his grace. So let me state this a little way, another way. If you look backwards at Jesus plus nothing equals everything, it also works. Maybe it's easier for us to understand when it applies to our lives. And so everything minus Jesus equals nothing. If you have everything, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. See, you can have everything and do everything and accomplish everything, but if you don't have Jesus, I truly believe we have nothing. You can acquire all that this world has to offer. Everything the world has to offer, all the things, all the money, all the status. But if we don't understand that we haven't, we haven't earned, we haven't received the undeserved gift of grace, we have nothing. I can tell you from firsthand experience what this feels like. When you have everything but you're not focused on Jesus, you have nothing. Before I became a pastor, I, I owned a construction company. Uh, maybe some of you guys know that. I talk about that periodically in my life. But when it comes to the construction company, I honestly went into the construction company because I wanted the American dream, if I'm being totally honest. I wanted the huge 401k. I wanted all the money I could acquire. I wanted my wife to drive the vehicle that she wanted. I wanted the dream vehicle. I wanted to send my kids to the private schools. I wanted to go on the vacations. I wanted to give her jewelry for um, our wedding anniversaries and birthdays and things like that. 
I wanted all that stuff. And so I, I just went after it. We set goals, and we went after it, and we got it. I've driven the vehicles, and I've lived in the dream house. I've been on the dream vacations. I've bought the jewelry. I've done the American dream. And there was a moment after we had acquired all these things, we had accomplished our financial goals, and we were, we were killing it by the world's standards. And my wife, Callie, and I, we just looked at each other, and we said, there's something missing. We realized that we were still empty, that we hadn't been fulfilled, that our life was still empty, even though we've acquired all of these things. You see, I was living my life like my life and my career and my car and my house and the school my kids go to and my status, that with Jesus, without Jesus, it was enough. And the problem is, is I don't think I'm the only one in this room today that's living this way. I think many of us are living as though our, our status and our career and our cars and our house and our 401ks and our money and our GPA and the college we get into, that those things are enough without Jesus. And I'm here to say that those things without Jesus simply are not enough. They leave us empty. They leave us wanting. They leave us discontent. So why does all this matter? How do we understand this better? How do we live this out better? Paul continues on with this letter in verse 21. He says, you were alienated from God. Alienated, you were separated. Your relationship was broken from God. You were enemies in your own mind because of your evil behavior. But now, right now, he, Jesus, has reconciled you by his death on the cross, presented you wholly in his sight without blemish, and without accusation. Alienated, separated. Relationship was broken from God. As we read there, who broke the relationship? We did. Who fixed the relationship? Jesus did. How did he do it? By his blood shed on the cross. Why? So that we, you and I, could be presented before a holy God without blemish and free from accusation. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the ballgame. That's the whole ballgame. That's everything. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That is everything. Receiving the gift of eternal life, receiving the undeserved gift of grace because of Jesus' death on the cross. Not the GPA, not the 401k, not anything that you and I can do, but simply because of what he did for you and I on the cross, we can be presented before a holy God at the end of our lives without blemish and free from accusation. And that is worth celebrating. It's worth changing our Mondays. It's worth changing our work weeks. It's worth changing our lives to seek that out, to understand that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. That is the undeserved gift of grace. Undeserved. Because, friends, Jesus who we've already read was everything, had everything. Jesus, who is everything, became nothing for you and I so that you and I could have everything. Jesus, who is everything, became nothing for you and I so that we could have everything in the undeserved gift of grace that is brought to us by Jesus' death on the cross. Through Jesus, you and I are free from having to do something more and acquiring something else to be something else, his grace is enough. 
And so my hope and my prayer for us today is that we understand this, that we live this, that we, are, we realize that Jesus is everything and he became nothing for you and I so that we could have heaven, everything. Find our confidence in the fact that we will worship a God, that we worship a God today who is supreme in every way and who is enough for you and I every single day. And I hope it's not just words that we hear at church, but it's life that we live on Monday and Tuesday. That truly changes the way we live. And so I hope that we truly will understand that Jesus needs nothing to have everything. And we don't need to have anything as long as we have Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I thank you and I praise you for that. God, I am grateful that you are God and that you have, uh, you have fixed the relationship that we broke. God, in the moment where we have done things that have broken our relationship with you, God, there wasn't anything that we could do to fix it. We, we needed you to come and you did. I'm so grateful that you're a God that has come and met us where we are at in our brokenness and the things that we've struggled with. God, that you have given, given us hope for an opportunity to be with you forever. You've offered us the undeserved gift of grace. God, and that allows us to live inside of the living hope that is you, that you have spoken into the darkness of our lives, that you have spoken into the broken areas, and you have said, I am enough. You don't need anything else. You don't need more. You don't need all this world is telling you that you need. I am sufficient for your every need. And God, we love you. And it is our desire that we would follow you with everything that we are and everything that we have. So God, change our lives. Change our weeks. Change our perspective. Give us courage to live in reflection of your grace. That we wouldn't chase the American dream, but God, that we would chase after you and everything that you have offered us. God, we love you so incredibly much. Thanks for sending us Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at IamEmbrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.